there, it's Charlie O'Shields back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. As we begin a bright, shiny new year in 2020, my mind always drifts to all of the things I'd like to accomplish. I've learned that making resolutions is a bit too resolute, and I prefer to just focus on following the next little dream instead. There's so much that we can do when we take each little step along the way as it comes naturally. Goals should never feel laborious, but always glorious. We each have the ability to make our dreams come true, so that's what I hope to inspire in this next set of stories. I love trying new things, and a new year is always a great excuse to give some new project a try. And I have so many projects that I'd love to try next. Just trying something is always a wonderful experience, particularly when we don't put a ton of pressure on ourselves to reach some level of accomplishment. Success comes naturally when you love what you're doing and follow your passions with all of your heart. So join me now as we travel down that road of infinite and beautiful possibilities while dreaming those New Year's dreams. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. One Little Flower Once for a prompt of flowers, I opted for one that I don't normally see in my climate in honor of a travel theme. This is a South African flowering plant with a scientific name of Protea, but the plant might also be known as sugar bushes or finbos. Actually, these plants can be grown in North America, but don't like humid climates, which happens to be the kind that I inhabit. So they're quite alien to me and rather cool. Seeing a unique flower is one of my favorite bits about traveling to new climates. I always stop and stare in awe as though I'm viewing something miraculous. Though there are certainly many man-made attractions to see while on a trip, the nature-made attractions are always my favorite. It's proof that the world is wonderfully diverse and full of new and exciting mysteries around every corner. As for actual travel, Philippe and I have yet to commit to a trip and sit down to plan one. While we were thinking about taking a plane somewhere, which is the obvious choice, we're not even considering taking a train instead. We have so much fun considering what we might do, the actual doing gets pushed a bit to the background. So it's anyone's guess, including ours, as to where we'll actually end up visiting next. While I have many things on my bucket list, that list of all the things you hope to accomplish before you disappear from this earth, I have so many little things as well. In truth, I'm not sure how to rank all of the things I'd like to do. Depending on the moment and my mood, one little thing can seem like the best thing of all. This has plagued me throughout my life in that I'm woefully inadequate when it comes to prioritizing things. I have simply no idea if something huge that I'm considering is the best path to take next, or if that tiny little notion I had is actually the better place to start. I have a penchant for those tiny notions. These are the ideas that seem ridiculous, simple, or easy. At least they represent a much simpler path to take. Sometimes it's a path that seems a bit too dull or uneventful, but I've learned that any path can be exciting if you approach it with an open mind. So I've learned to entertain just about any idea that comes to mind for a moment. 
It's fun to consider any little thought and imagine where it might lead me next. For me, creativity isn't about some instant moment where a huge epiphany hits. It's about all of the little moments where bits of ideas come together and point me in a new direction. It's more of a leisurely train ride than jetting across the sky. Big ideas are rare, but little ideas are abundant and we have them all day long. I believe that the best creative moments come from knitting all of those little notions together into something greater than the sum of the parts. When viewed together, those little ideas create a roadmap of infinite wonder that can lead just about anywhere. I love these ideas and use them as signposts, like I'm hiking up a mountain and just need the next little clue to find my way. What I love about this mindset is that it works for everyone. Sure, there are some people who just seem to have amazing ideas that pop up from nowhere, but for the rest of us, it can take a few steps to get there. I'm personally not blessed with any heroic ability to predict the future or come up with the next viral idea out of thin air. I just take things one idea at a time and figure things out while I'm actually doing them. It's something everyone can do. And it all starts with one little flower. Taking a cruise. Once I had a prompt of cruise, which is something I've never actually experienced. When I was younger, I entertained the idea of giving a cruise a try via one of those short weekend versions. The problem, of course, is that I don't love crowds, so being on a floating hotel and trapped with crowds of people doesn't feel like the best place for me. When I painted this one, Philippe remarked, Oh wow, that's cool, to which I asked, So does it make you want to go on a cruise? He paused, but then shook his head and confirmed that being trapped on a boat with so many people wasn't something he wanted in a vacation either. He went on to mention how many get listeria, but I'd already stopped listening by that point. As I've mentioned before, I indeed married my type. Yet truthfully, I've not given up hope of trying a three-day cruise at some point in my life as I simply love to try and experience new things. But I know in my heart that I couldn't last longer than that. Unless, of course, the entire boat was filled with artists from our community. That would be a game changer for sure. But a doodle wash cruise is not likely to happen, even though it's a rather fun thing to consider. Ironically, I did once travel to Vegas to audition to be a performer on a cruise ship, but that wasn't in the cards. I often wonder what course my life might have taken had I end up going down that path. Like so many things I do in life, I hadn't really thought through every aspect of the plan before pursuing it. I guess in many ways, I think things always happen as they are meant to happen. I just like to go with the flow. When I was in a corporate environment for work, there were people labeled with a type A personality. These were people who were aggressive, highly organized, and ambitious. The only trait I shared with them was impatience, but I think my own version was a bit different in the end. Yet the less frantic and more explainable personalities were considered type B, so I broke the test a bit as I sat directly on a line of duality that the test had failed to consider. Indeed, if there are only two options, then information is somehow black and white, and we all know that's never really quite the case. I'm not sure an entire alphabet of personality types would be able to address the wonderful nuances that make us each so uniquely fabulous. 
What I've loved most about my art journey is that I've been able to meet people from all over the world. It's been a truly amazing experience to find someone who is quite like me, but thousands of kilometers away. It's an affirming moment to know that your kind of weird isn't so weird after all. And I've met people who are nothing like me at all, yet we share a fantastic connection through our shared love of art. Sharing a common love of something in the end is one of the best ways we can connect. Love is something universal and it always defies a particular type. That's indeed why Doodle Wash is built around the idea of loving drawing and watercolor and not a particular technique or approach. It's just a pure love of art itself with an invitation to do it however you yourself feel you should. Indeed, it's about why you should do something, not how to do it. If we embrace the why that compels us to create things, we'll always be able to show up and create more, even when the how gets super tough or confusing. So I adore the community we've made, and in many ways, I think each day together, we are simply enjoying the magnificent experience of taking a cruise. It's about time to begin. Once for a prompt of buildings, I opted for a little scribbled sketch of Big Ben, the nickname for the great bell and clock at the north end of the Palace of Westminster in London. I've sketched other famous landmarks along the way, but had yet to make a sketch of this one, so I figured I'd give it a go. I've only ever been to London once in my life, but it was a wonderful trip and I hope to return one day. Being a big kid, I had just finished the first Harry Potter book shortly after it came out and thought it was rather cool that my hotel was so close to King's Cross Station. Though I did search for Platform 9 and 3 quarters, as mentioned in the book, it didn't exist that trip because the books had yet to gain quite the level of notoriety to make it a tourist attraction. Though I also had to visit Paddington Station in honor of my favorite actual childhood character, Paddington Bear, who is named after the station, having been discovered there by a lovely family. Yes, in all of my childish tourism, I did indeed view Big Ben in person. Who would ever miss a perfect opportunity to visit the clock from Peter Pan, after all? Yeah, I'm realizing now my London trip had a bit of a recurring theme there. Yet, that trip to London was made extra fabulous by all of the magical stories that happened there. Well, happened inside the books of my own imagination, at least. And a story well told always feels a bit like you're living in it, no matter how impossible the plot. I was also a fan of the books Bedknob and Broomstick, of course, Mary Poppins, the latter written before my mother was even born. All of these I've mentioned were made into movies, but I still prefer the stories from the books most. While I always loved book illustrations, it was wonderful to draw the missing pictures in my mind. The moments that occurred in those beats in between where the illustrator had not chosen that particular event to create a depiction. I would draw those missing moments in my mind and it made reading the story so much more interesting and fun. And last but never least, I love the books and art of Beatrix Potter, born in Kensington, London. So I have a very fond love of England and all of the magical childhood memories that authors writing there have inspired in me. 
More than a whimsical memory, I often reread books from my childhood. It's a wonderful way to reconnect with my inner child and more importantly, that sense of pure wonder that can help me in my art. How does it help? Well, this doodle wash does rather look like Big Ben, but it's entirely scribbled doodle color with no ruler or fuss or precise accuracy, and it was completed in less than an hour. It's another illusion brought to life by my child inside who never worries about laborious technical things and just wants to make something cool appear on paper. While I love that people enjoy the little doodles I create, I always want to be clear that they are not technical masterpieces. There's no step-by-step laborious technique ever applied, just broad principles and broad strokes with a brush and pen. It's equally why I can't show you a consistent stepped process as to how I sketch as much as help you simply relive the mindset I used to sketch the things in the first place. That, in the end, is the real secret ingredient. So if you haven't tried tapping into your childish side when you're creating something new, it's about time to begin. Welcome to Paradise. For a prompt of sign once, I opted for the iconic welcoming sign that signals entry into Las Vegas, Nevada. Indeed, when seeing this sign, one has not quite entered Las Vegas yet, but instead has entered Paradise. This isn't a metaphor, it's simply the name of the unincorporated town that's actually the home to both this sign and the popular tourist area known as the Strip. If you only spend time on the Strip, you've technically spent all of your vacation in paradise and never once visited Las Vegas. But who could ever complain about spending a long weekend in paradise? As for the sign itself, it was designed by Betty Willis in 1959, and she never copyrighted the design, considering it a gift for the city. That's why today you can find her gift of design on any number of souvenirs from bumper stickers to keychains. Not only did Willis come up with the design, she came up with the addition of the word fabulous to set it apart from the other signs. Unlike other designers of the time, she jumped in to learn the nuts and bolts of light and electricity, making her designs rather innovative. As she told the New York Times in 2005, everything you could flash or spin, we did it. Betty passed away in April 2015 at the age of 91, but she left behind an unexpected legacy in one of the most recognizable signs in American history. It's fascinating how some things that are created withstand the test of time more than others. This sign, for example, was not the personal crown jewel in Betty's portfolio, but it became the very thing that made her famous. Art is intriguing like that. It's a mixture of art itself combined with the perception of those who view it, and any number of impossible to quantify other random factors. What makes one design iconic while another is simply forgotten is something we can riddle out as best we can after the fact, but like a lottery win, impossible to predict in advance. That's what makes artists such unique and wonderful people. We don't create art for the result, we create it because we can't possibly imagine a world where we didn't create it. Makers come in all shapes and forms and all different mediums, but we all share something very similar in common. 
We create because we have a passion to make things, and that's all the reason we ever need to proceed. There's no final thing we intend to create, just the constant journey of creating that next thing. While goals exist, they're merely signposts as we move along the road of our artistic growth. To me, that's one of the favorite bits about this art journey. There's something strangely wonderful about the fact that I'll come to a final end before it does. I've no idea if I'll be like Betty one day and leave behind a visual legacy recognized by millions of people, but like Betty, that's never been my goal. We makers simply make, and that's all that really matters in the end. Should someone love what we created, it's a beautiful thing indeed, and we certainly strive to make things that can be enjoyed by others. But we know it's not the primary intent, or what they call extrinsic motivation. True makers don't need that at all. Instead, they share a strange and uncontrollable intrinsic motivation, something that burns in the heart and is naturally satisfying to you and you alone. Whether it's Leonardo da Vinci or Van Gogh, you'll always find that similar trait. Artists create because they simply have to create. There's just no other option more appealing. And by artists, I mean any sort of creative endeavor that calls you to make something. Whether it's writing a poem or book, painting something grand, or just scribbling, doodling, and coloring something in a sketchbook. If you long to create, don't let anything stop you. The journey can be a crazy one, but it always comes with that familiar and wonderful feeling that's like a sign saying, Welcome to paradise. Dreams of a 57 Chevy. When I was a kid, I wasn't really the kind of boy who would give a car a second glance. I liked that they took you places, but I really didn't have any sort of fascination for them. What I do remember is that my mother was quite enamored by one car in particular. She loved a red 57 Chevy and told me it was her favorite car. So I loved them as well, of course, though I was born about 15 years after they arrived in the world. Truly, they were lovely cars and looked so much cooler than the cars they were making in the 70s. And indeed, looking at them now, they're far more interesting than any of the cars made today. Those bits of trim and attention to detail have disappeared to cut costs, even in luxury models. I think I would love cars much more if they looked like this today. But in truth, there was another special reason that my mother loved this particular vehicle. She graduated high school in the class of 57. So this was the iconic car that came to represent a very important milestone in her life. It had to be red, of course, as red and purple are her two favorite colors, though, as she says, I hardly ever wear them together. So for our prompt of driving once, I thought I'd take a moment to celebrate my mom's favorite ride. It's true that I was what they call a mama's boy. I loved and indeed still love my mother, and so I happily adopted her tastes when I was growing up. Not entirely, of course, as I was a very independent thinker, so we never shared those two favorite colors. What I adopted was her mindset. It was one filled with hope and possibility. Whenever I had a crazy dream of something I wanted to do next, she never once questioned it, but just set about dreaming with me. Looking back, I realize now that she instilled in me the most impossible idea of all. 
that there is absolutely no such thing as an impossible idea. No matter how crazy my idea for a school project was, she was right there to encourage me to pursue it. I made my first stop-motion animation film in fifth grade, and by the time I was in sixth grade, I'd, well, mummified a rat. That sounds incredibly creepy, but I was studying Egyptian mummification at the time, and my project idea was, shall we say, a rather thorough investigation. Never once did my mom steer me in a simpler direction or invite me to choose an easier path. She just walked with me, down the path I chose, no doubt just as excited to see what might happen next. While thinking about driving, I thought about the more intangible concept of what it means to be driven. That feeling that you simply have to try something next and will stop at nothing until you see the idea through to completion. I've been like this my whole life, and I love all of the things this drive makes me make happen. And I definitely have my mom to thank for this trait. It's one born out of nurture, not nature. Anyone can make their dreams come true when you have someone cheering you on. It makes all the difference in the world. And though my mother won't be here forever, I know she'll never stop cheering me on. Even today, when I decide to do something crazy or unexpected, I think, what would my mom say about this? And I already know the answer. She'd just tell me to do it, as though I already knew how. Perhaps that's why I've become such a cheerleader of the arts. Because of her, I truly believe that each of us has the ability to achieve anything we want in life. Sometimes the road can have lots of twists and turns, but that should never stop us from setting out on the journey. This isn't my wisdom, but one from a loving mother who can make a world infinitely brighter with just those simple dreams of a 57 Chevy. How we see the world. When I saw a prompt of sunglasses once, I winced at first as sunglasses are deceptively difficult to render. Yes, I actually wrote that set of prompts, but I never look at them again until I come to see what I've meant to sketch each day. So I'm often quite surprised. Proportions are tough when it comes to glasses, but any chance to paint glass, reflections, and metal, and it's a good day indeed. When I look at the world around me, I immediately see shapes and color. This is a good habit to have when painting reflections like these, as the shapes that make something look metallic or reflective aren't the shapes one would ever expect. They're an odd bending of the world that turns things upside down a bit and stretches them sideways. So I don't worry about what I'm actually sketching in these moments and just make the shapes that I see there. After I was finished, I could see the reflection of a blue sky and a landscape of treetops. But for me anyway, if I thought about those shapes actually being there, then when I was sketching them, I would be certain to botch them. My brain would want to make little corrections when my eyes are perfectly capable of jotting down all of the details all on their own. When it comes to color, however, that's something best chosen with the heart. This week, Philippe has been sitting next to me watching a show on BBC called Celebrity Painting Challenge on his computer while I've been making sketches. And we just watched the finale moments ago. Yes, our kitchen counter is both for serving food, hosting a pop-up art studio, and serving as an entertainment center. 
I found myself stopping often to watch a bit and then going back to my own little piece of sketchbook art. It wasn't a watercolor painting challenge, but I loved seeing all of the art and hearing the reactions from the artist's judges. At one point, one of the judges told an artist, you have to just keep looking and seeing and continue redrawing things to see what's there. Or something rather close to those words as I was doing several things at once. This was in response to a bit of missing architectural perspective and a lack of converging lines, but it's really true for everything in art. The more we draw something, the more we begin to understand it better. There are little epiphanies that come along the way that we can't quite describe, but make the next iteration just a touch better in some way. That's the magic of art for me. It's what keeps me coming back to it each and every day. And equally, it's why I don't show up with the same sort of how-to approach that's quite likely expected of me on an art blog such as mine. But for me, I'm all about the why-to approach. I simply want to share why you should always chase after your artistic dreams and try on approaches and styles rather than simply wearing them outright. We have such unique styles and approaches that the world needs to see. Technique is important in relaying information, but in the end, it's only our hearts that can truly express ideas. So yeah, I've become that crazy cheerleader who shouts, follow your heart. I don't have decorative pom-poms to cheer you on, though that would be super awesome. Instead, I have a humble blog where I just share what I made that day in order to prove that you can definitely make something each and every day as well. Because in the end, art isn't about a particular movement or technique. It's simply a beautifully unique and awesome expression of how we see the world. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories. Bye.